to the book of 2 Corinthians tonight. Join me, if you would please, in your Bible to 2 Corinthians. We continue our, our study in the book of 2 Corinthians. And I don't know about you, but I am flat enjoying studying it. I don't know if you're enjoying listening to it or not. Let me give you just a few words. Look at uh, chapter 4, verse 1, for the springboard to chapter number 5. Chapter 4, verse 1. Chapter 5 is a continuation of, of this verse. And Paul is writing to his critics, or to defend himself from his critics, there at the church of Corinth. And uh, there's some Judaizers that have crept in, and those are the folks who believe that you got to keep rules to be saved. You, you know, you got to dress a certain way, eat a certain thing. It wouldn't it be terrible to not be able to eat catfish? That would mean nobody in Texas could go to heaven. I mean, they're just how many folks would miss out on heaven just because they couldn't eat catfish? I kind of like ham and eggs, to tell you the truth, just a little bit. And uh, so some folks have crept into the church after Paul started it. And some of them got a leader by the name of Peter. And Peter was an adherent to the, to the Judea, to the law of Moses. And so they were kind of, uh, uh, kind of strict in their, in their legalities. And then there was Apollos who was such a, an orator. And then there was that crowd that says, we're not following anybody but the Lord. Uh, that's okay if you're doing it for the Lord and not to be seen of men. If you're not self-righteous and you're not holier and doubt, boy, that's wonderful if you're serving God because of that. But this crowd was not. Church was filled with immature Christians Bossy women, boisterous women, tongue-talking women who's trying to take over the leadership in the church. And uh, Paul has stood against that. Thusly, he has his critics. Anytime you preach the word of God straight down the line, you're going to have somebody who's going to say, Well, I love old brother Gene, but I love old brother Paul, but. And uh, actually, if they're butting you, they're goats and not sheep. And so Paul is answering them. Now notice verse 1 of chapter 4. And he says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Paul said, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to get discouraged because somebody's talking about me. I'm not going to get discouraged because uh, I, I saw my name on Facebook the other day. Well, that would be a miracle. There'll be more chance of me winning the lottery than seeing my face on Facebook. And if I win the lottery, it's because Jim bought the ticket because I have never bought one. So, you know, it, it, and, and so when you start preaching now and you start standing for right and standing for righteousness and preaching the word of God and having to make decisions according to the word of God, folks won't talk about you. Even those you've won to Christ. Paul won this bunch to Christ. Paul started the church and now they're talking about him. Now notice if you would please, 
verse 16 of that same chapter as review just a little bit. And I want you to notice something, if you would please. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed how? Just because you grow old physically don't mean you got to grow tired spiritually. Though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, Paul says, you know, being stoned to death, thrown in prison, uh, beat with rods several times, being beat with the cat of nine tails several times. uh, His light affliction, that's how he looked at it, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a more seed and an eternal weight of glory. Now, this is the key. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Paul said if some of us would start looking at the heart instead of the clothes. If some of us start looking at the heart, we might be a lot better off. For the things which are seen are temporary or temporal and things which are not seen are eternal. Now, here's a couple of words I want you to look at. For we know. Look at that next verse. For we know. Paul said one reason that what you folks are saying to me don't make one hill of beans to me. For I know when this earthly tabernacle is dissolved, I get a brand new one made by God. Because I'm not looking at that which is seen. I'm not being controlled with that which is temporal. All that changed over yonder on Damascus Road when I got born again. I'm not worried about this. I'm not worried about that. I am majoring on that which is not seen. And I am not majoring on this that's going to be dissolved. I'm looking forward to that which is eternal. And me and Brother Watson can say amen to that. We've wore this one out, ain't we, Brother Watson? I'm talking about it's wore out. If I was Brother Watson, I wouldn't live in his body for eternity. As ugly as your body is, Brother Watson, no way in the world that has anything to look forward to, right? And now you feel the same way about me, right? I know you do. I can tell where you're looking. But I do not. I've wore this one out. This one hurts. The blood pressure goes crazy. It gets dizzy. Wife gets worried. Sit down long, get up, legs don't work. When they do start working, they hurt. This one is wore out. I am not going to spend my entire life, the rest of my life, petting, pampering, Blowing, perfuming this one. I'm looking for another one. And I know, verse 1, I know. I'm not quitting on God. I'm not backing up on God. I'm not slowing down on God. I know if this one be dissolved, I have one that I will be clothed upon, a building of God A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. 
Dear God, I don't understand nearsighted Christians that all they see is the nasty now and now. When we ought to be living for the sweet by and by. Amen. Verse 8. We are confident. Yes, we are. And I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Now, if you tell the truth, you'd read that verse the other way. Come on now, ain't time to pray, you can say amen. amen. I know you're prepared, you just ain't ready. Paul was ready. He said, I know, I am confident. You guys can blab all you want. You can run me down all you want. You can throw more rocks if you want. You can take more sticks and beat me if you want. You can throw me in more prisons if you want. But I'm not backing up. I'm not bowing. I'm not bulging, bless God. I'm going to serve God. I'm not going to faint. Because I know when this one's gone, i got a brand new one that's going to last forever. And I am confident that to be absent from this, is not to float around in la-la land as some folks promote in soul sleep. Or I'm not going to purgatory. I am going to be with the Lord. Absent from this one is to be present with the Lord. Can anybody say amen to that? Well, he said, verse 9, Wherefore, we labor. That whether present or absent. Now look at this. Look at that word labor. That that tends to make me believe that there's service involved with being saved. Not excuse making. We labor. Why? That whether we are present with the Lord or absent from the Lord are absent from the body, are present with the Lord, we labor so as whatever we are accepted of the Lord. Paul said, I'm not doing this to impress you folk. (laughs) You understand that? Paul said, I couldn't care less if you think I'm doing it for selfish reasons. Paul said, I couldn't care less because I am doing it for what? To be accepted of whom? Of whom? You know why I'm here tonight? You know, there's a ball game once twice. You know why I'm here tonight? Because I love the Lord. And you know why when I come, when I don't feel like it? To be accepted of him. To please him. You know why I go soul winning? You say, preacher, I just don't have the gift of gab. Could I see your telephone bill, please? Do you have a Facebook? No. You know why you don't go soul winning? Because you're afraid to. And you know why? I'm just as afraid as you are. I am just as scared when I walk up to that door. I do not know what's behind that door. 
and you'd be surprised what I've seen walk to the door. Crawl to the door. Jump to the door. You know why I go? That I may be accepted of him. You say, preacher, you ought to go because you got a passion and a burden for lost people. No, I go because he told me to go. Plus nothing, minus nothing. Now, some folk like to go. I don't like to go. Tell you the truth, I'd rather go hunting. Now, I know there's nobody else here like that. I try to make Jim go hunting. He said, no, I, I, I want to go sowing. <laughs> that it may be accepted of him. See? Notice that. Notice, if you would please, the focus pleasing him. The facts, verse 10, look at this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So Paul says, I labor that it may be accepted of him because I know one day I'm going to have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Not before the Deacons or not before the trustees or not before the Judaizers in Corinth or not before apostolites and not before those who profess to be in love with Jesus. I'm going to have to stand before Christ, not you folk. Best thing you can learn in this life is people make very poor judges. But they are all, all of us have a tendency to be on a TV program called Judge Gene. <laughs> I know why you did that. No, you really don't. You, you just saw the action of the thing. Amen. Huh? Amen. Come on now. Is that right? And so Paul said, now look. I labor not for you. I labor that I may be accepted of him. Because we all are going to have to stand before the Bema seat, the judgment seat of God. And there we're going to be judged according to our works and not our sins. This is a judgment for believers, people who are saved. And at this judgment, we're going to be judged for why we did what we did. Motives are going to be judged. Works are going to be judged. Mrs. Brown will be judged for why she played the piano. Not how she played, why she played. And if her motives are good, and I believe they're upright or she would not be on it, I believe one of these days they're going to take her piano playing and it's going to be judged as by fire. And... Her motives and her actions and her spirit will be thrown on the fire of God. And if her motives are wrong, it will be wood, hay, and stubble. And her works will be consumed and all rewards are lost. But if when the works are on the fire, they come out jewel and gold and precious stones. Hello. Yes. 
Yes, I'm here. Yes, okay, yes. <laughs> Can't get that sucker off in a church service, can you, Doug? I thought it was a lady right behind you. I was going to answer it. <laughs> Did you see Billy and Mary jump when that went off? They thought it was theirs. <laughs> now that will be thrown on the fire one of these days. <laughs> And our Lord will say, no big deal. <laughs> you know, no big deal. Telephone ringing during service, good. Four people woke up when that phone rang. <laughs> Paul said, I labor that I might be accepted of him because I know one day all of my works will be cast on the fire of the judgment seat of Christ. But no difference what you think. It makes no difference what you think. It makes no difference at what you surmise. Christ is going to judge my works. So you folk just keep talking. I'm just going to keep on preaching. You folk keep complaining. I'm going to keep right on telling the truth. You folk keep on talking. I'm just going to keep on going. Why? Because... One of these days, I want to hear him say, well done. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Notice the focus, verse 9. The facts in verse 10. And the fear in verse 11. Look at this. Knowing therefore... The terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God. And I trust also are made manifest to your conscience. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you an occasion to glory on our behalf, that you may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart for whether we be beside ourselves it is to God or whether we be sober it is for your cause for the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all then we're all dead That he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Man, that's stout, isn't it? While Paul is responding to the criticism of all of those critics, he tells us why we all should be involved in ministry. Now, we all can't be preachers. I went to a black church several years ago. And uh, they found out that I was a preacher and I was a missionary. 
And when the service started, they asked for all the clergy and all the officers to come to the platform. We didn't move, but they insisted that we move. <coughs> and eventually, everybody was on the platform but one one lady. Now, she got her shuck peeled that night. I mean, that guy preached up a storm to that poor lady out there all by herself. We was all on the platform said, amen, hallelujah, bless God. And uh, he preached. A message that night. I never shall forget it. He said tonight. I'm not going to talk to you. About light bread. Jesus said I am the bread of life. He said now I'm not going to talk to you tonight about cornbread. He said I'm not going to talk to you tonight about wheat bread. He said there's all kinds of bread I could talk to you about tonight. But tonight I'm going to talk to you about soul bread. And he cut loose and he did preach on soul bread. Amen. Uh, I think what we all need tonight is a lot less light bread and a whole lot more soul bread. And if we got our soul filled, we might realize that there's something for all of us to do to honor God with our life. Notice as I look just a minute. Tonight we all should have motivation for some ministry. Number one because the fear of the Lord controls us. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. We've lost in America. The awe of God. We take his name in vain. We blaspheme his name with jokes and innuendos. We no longer in America fear God. Thusly. We do not intelligently, biblically, or really know God. Because if we knew God, we would not but fear God. Did God really kill David's baby? Did Absalom actually receive Joab's darts in his heart? Did Ammon actually rape Tamar? Did David reap what he sowed? We don't believe that. There's no way America could live like America lives and believe that. Surely we do not believe in a Christless, hot, eternal, damning place called hell and fail to warn anybody about it. 
Paul said, probably the difference in Paul and the Judaizers who's run around causing trouble in the church. Won't be long till somebody will be upset because somebody's on this Facebook or that Facebook or this other Facebook or some other ridiculous dumb stuff to argue about. You know, this is what you ought to know. God ain't messing around. God don't have to mess around. But we think God is a messer. God wouldn't touch any of us. But dear God. We're just too American for anybody to touch us. You forgot 911? Have you, you forgot that? Well, God didn't have anything to do with that. Oh, I know that. Just a coincidence that a bunch of Muslims got mad at somebody. The problem is, folks, we don't allow the fear of God to control us. We talk about people, gossip about people, come to false conclusions about situations. Want our way. If not our way, then it's a highway. Husbands run around on wives. Wives run around on husbands. Caring not one thing about kids. Have kids. Treat them like a litter of rabbits. Dump them off at some daycare center someplace. So the mama can go make just them enough money. To pay gas, clothes, and daycare, and don't help the home at all. Keeping up with the Joneses. Do we really fear the Lord? You know why Paul didn't quit? He was afraid to quit. You know why Paul didn't give in? He was plumb scared to give in. Is my family immune from the discipline of God? Did God say to the fourth, third and fourth generation? Did he say that? Maybe we don't believe that. Yeah. Yeah. One good thing, keep me going. Smiles of my kids. Health of my kids. God building a hedge around my kids, keep the devil off of them. Paul said, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we do what? We persuade men. That verse precedes the judgment seat of Christ verse. Right? Don't that verse follow. We shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive rewards or laws according to that which we've done in the flesh, whether it be good or bad. Therefore, realizing that one day that my sister's is either going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ or the great white throne judgment 
and one to hear, well done, or another, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you, and me, watch, God, cast my family into the lake of fire. That scares the devil out of me. I no sooner got saved, I got a plane ticket in Farmer's Branch, Texas, and flew to Long Beach, California to win my sisters to Christ. And I took my older sister to a church that she were attending, First Baptist Church of Long Beach. And the invitation was so quick, I had to run with my sister to get her up front to make a public profession. Do you believe in the terror of the Lord? That ought to be motivation for soul winning. Preacher, I can't. That ought to be motivation to bring them to church, sit by them, pray for them. And if they respond to the gospel, let some other soul winner show them how to be saved. That ought to be motivation for us to pray night and day. For those who are not saved, that they might be saved. The fear of the Lord should control us. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, I persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience for we commend not ourselves again unto you but give you an occasion to glory on our behalf that ye may have somewhat to answer them that are going around the church and running us down who are trying to win people to Christ, who are now living for the spiritual and not the physical, who are being hobnobbed and beat down by everybody in the church, you ought to go to them in our behalf and tell them something strange has happened to Paul and his crowd that don't happen down at the temple. Because Christianity, number one, is an inside job. Not an outside job. Christianity works on the inside out. Religion works on the outside in. Religion is saying, uh, you know, it's how you look on the outside. Christianity is saying, it's how you are on the inside. And then Paul says, for whether we beside ourselves, somebody's in the church saying, Paul's mad. He's lost his mind. Let me tell you how crazy Paul is. Paul sat at the feet of the greatest educator of all times, named Gamal. Paul, if he had not gotten saved, was in line to be the high priest. That's the big, that's the biggie in Judaism. The high priest. Paul is a crazy man Because he gave that up to be thrown in prison for Christ. Paul threw away his doctorate degrees. 
picked up a soul winner's New Testament and turned the world upside down for Christ. Paul, you don't understand what you could do on the outside, what you could accomplish in this world. Paul said, for me to live uh, is Christ. To die is gain. They said, Paul's crazy. He is absolutely crazy. The Judaizers who came to the church. He's crazy. Look at him. He's eating catfish. Look at the sorry sucker. He's eating ham and eggs. He's a nut. Look how he dresses. He don't dress like a Jew anymore. Paul said, well, he said to the church, he said, now those folks... Whether I be crazy or mad or beside ourselves, it is to, somebody tell me who. Or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. Time to close. You know what kept Paul going? The fear of God. Controlling. What if the next husband in our church that calls somebody else's wife, God killed him? Do you think that cut down on phone calls? Yes, sir. What if the next man walked up and put his hands on your wife in church and supposing and acting like it's in brotherly love? If God burn his fingernails plumb off. Do you think he'd just touch his wife only? What if the next person came to Jim and said, I quit. God just killed you because you're no good to him not doing anything anyhow. Think we have less quitters? Think maybe folks check their motives on why they're quitting. If you're going to quit, don't tell me about it. Just quit, man. Don't brag about quitting. Just quit. Don't think it's going to stop God's word. Just quit. And ask God not to kill you. You know why Paul didn't quit? (laughs) I bet you somebody was still a serving God Paul didn't agree with. Paul said, I'm not quitting because I'm not serving man. I want to be accepted of him. You got that? Because I am going to have to stand for the judgment of Christ. Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, I'm going to keep on, keep on, on, keep it on and keep it on. And keep it on and keep it on. Persuading. Men. Amen. Is anybody? Boy, it's quiet. It's this place been a long time. You know, I, 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 we're turning this place into a Methodist church. Honest, we are. We, we need to act, even if we don't enjoy it, we need to act like it every once in a while. And folks, I'm not chewing you out. I'm just telling you. This is real. 
This is real, ladies and gentlemen. This is not something we do on part time, our time. It's something we either do for God or we just might as well get out of it. And Paul said, you can say what you want. You're not going to deter me one bit. Because the fear of God controlled him. Secondly, the love of God constrained him. Now notice that verse. It's it's four minutes till eight. I know you think you've been here three days. But I'm sorry. I'm just a boring teacher. I'm sorry about that. But the, the fear of God controlled Paul and controls us. And I wrote down, I think, A, B, and C. I'm not sure on your notes. And if I did, A, he knew something, verse 11. B, he did something, verse 11. C, he had a reason, verse 12 and 13. Ezekiel 3 and verse 18 said, God has set us for a watchman on the wall. Remember that verse? Yeah, you remember that watchman on the wall? And said he put us there to warn of danger. And when we fail to warn the wicked of their wicked way, God said, their blood will I require at your hand. Folks, this is more than how I comb my hair. I would change it, but they ain't enough to move around. The day I tried to part it on this side, I don't know why. When Miss Ashley cuts my hair, she cuts it so that I part it on this side. And I leave, but it parted on that side. I look in the mirror and I say, who are you? Your hair is parted on the wrong side. So I comb it straight back. And then I comb it straight I'm not worried about what you think about my hair or the lack thereof. I'll tell you what we ought to be concerned about. Warning the wicked. Because one of these days at the judgment seat of Christ, God's going to say, let me see your hands. That's all he's got to do. He's just going to say, Gene, let me see your hands. Never forget, black boy hired into the plant I was working years ago. I'd want everybody of the Lord in the dye shop. I'd want everybody in the Lord that I could get out of the, out of the factory. Want them to the Lord in the bathroom. Want them everywhere in the world. The black boy, I put it off. I said, I'll get him tomorrow. God really placed him on my heart. I'll get him tomorrow. That night a train hit him. Killed him, knocked him into eternity. Sure as me and you sitting here tonight. His blood. Well, God required my hands. You got anybody like that in your life that God said... Go ahead and ask. Go, go ahead and just, just share with them the gospel. Just go ahead and give them a tract. Just go ahead and invite them to church. Well, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it later. 
later never did arrive. Jesus is going to say, let me see your hands. He said, well, I ushered. Jesus said, what else? Let me see your hands. Well, I sang in the choir. No, I, I just want to see your hands. That's what he wants to say. We ought to hear my voice. No, Jesus said, I don't care about your voice. I want to see your hands. And the love of Christ, not the love for Christ. Notice in your text, the love of Christ constrains me. What little Mickey Mouse thing kept Jesus from going to the cross? What made you quit? What made you give up? What made you throw in the towel? Paul said, it ain't going to make me throw in the towel. He said, I ain't doing this because I love God. I do this because God loves me. He said, not only did Christ give his life for me, be careful, Christ gave his life to me. Now that's the difference. I said, that's the difference. And the life that I now live, the life I now live is not my life. But the life and the love that Christ had for me. See that? Paul said, you don't have to worry about me quitting. You don't have to worry about discouraging me. You can run anybody by here you want to and say anything you want to by me. Because I'm not controlled by the outward. I'm not controlled by circumstances and clothes. I'm not controlled by that. Paul said, I'm controlled by the inward man. I'm controlled not by my love for God. I'm controlled his love for me. For God so loved what? That he gave his only begotten son. There, here, there's the key. There's the key. Would you say amen? That, that's the key. You know why Paul didn't quit? He knew something. <laughs> Paul didn't quit because he did something. Paul didn't quit because he had a reason And verse 14, notice, his constraint, he was held in, he was captivated. The love of Christ constrains, holds me, guides me, enables me. You got that? Now, I close with his convictions. Look at this, this is great. This is great. Look at verse 15. His convictions. He says this. Paul had some convictions. The Bible said that he died for all. That they which should, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. But Paul says, I have convictions, convictions that 
I now live, not for me, but for him which died for them and rose again. Could I ask you this? Why in the day in which we live, and I'm done, is it so easy for God's people to quit on God? I'm concerned about that. Look at our pews tonight. Where's all them folks that come Sunday and sing, Oh, how I love Jesus. Where is that? Where is that? If you were Christ, would you come back for them? Just asking you. If you were Christ, would you say well done on the kind of sacrifice we're giving him? Boy, the church of our Lord is sure weak. Shallow, selfish, self-centered. Amen. Now you say, preacher, you're going to make me mad. Not if you're right with God. Amen. If you're not right with God, I hope I do make you so mad. You either come forward or leave. One of the two. When he has done so much 